All right. This is the Yay, I'm Reg Clay. <laughs> Along with Catherine Park, you are joining us again. Hi. Good to be here. This is the Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay. As always, we are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater headed up by Gary Graves and Jans Leifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. As always, we want to thank Central Works for sponsoring us and our wonderful consulting producer, Mallory Samara. And we have another um, sponsor. It is not the train. It is Charles Blades Barbershop. Uh, It's a place where I get my uh, hair cut all the time. I remember I just got one a couple of hours ago. Yeah, thank you so much. (laughs) They're located at 182nd Street in downtown Oakland. It's a very cool, relaxing place where you can get your cuts, and they'll even serve you a complimentary drink. He has a website called cbbgroomingproducts.myshopify.com. So he sells all sorts of really cool things like pomades and shampoos and conditioners for men. So give their products a try. Uh, It's a minority business, black-owned business. So check that out. And we have a special guest, uh, two special guests. We have Danny Spanks. Danny, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. <laughs> and um, I forgot your name again, I'm sorry. Joe Waterman. Joe, Joe Waterman. Waterman. Joe Waterman and Danny Spinks, uh, you two are the co-owners of Eclectic Box San Francisco. How are you guys doing this Saturday? Thank you so much for spending this afternoon Fantastic. with us. Fantastic, yeah. Yeah, good. Thank Thanks you for having us. us. Yeah, yeah. You can bring your mic just a little bit closer. I yeah. love your glasses and your shirt. Oh, your thank blouse. you. It looks so cool. She has these like sea foam, beautiful colors. Yeah. It's kind of my signature color. Oh, yeah. is yeah. it? Yeah, I see on your tattoo yeah. as well. Yeah, no, no, no. It's awesome. And I've been checking out the uh, the website, Agorable Designs. So you are a uh, Agor. Um, not only are you an owner of a theater company, and I'm sure you're a producer and you do all sorts of cool theater stuff, but you um, you do makeup design for like a... It sounds like B horror flicks. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, I've been doing special effects makeup since 2011, uh, self-taught, and I'm uh, one of my main gigs that I have as a makeup artist is happening right now this month as uh, the makeup lead for Terror Vault, mm. which is Pe- the Peaches Christ uh, yeah. immersive haunt. And Joe is actually an actor in it as well. Yeah, yeah, I've seen your photos uh, on the uh, the website, so it's really really cool. And I love those uh, you know those horror movies and mm-hmm. stuff. My it's it's funny. I, I used to tell Norman on the yay a couple of uh, years ago that my mom and I had a very sordid relationship. And she, one of the things that she would do, so I don't know, part of a bonding thing, she would take me to these horror movies in the seventies. <laughs> like I remember seeing Friday the Thirteenth mm-hmm. and uh, Squirm and The Manitou and all sorts of crazy you know movies that you know the George Romero wanted. <laughs> yeah, so, my mom did the same thing with me. Like my dad hated horror movies, uh-huh. and so we would wait until he went to sleep, uh-huh. and then she'd be like, "Okay, come on, come in here." <laughs> and then you know, I remember being six years old and watching Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. and oh, I yeah. was, but I was always, I was never scared of any of it. I was always mesmerized about like how they created how things yeah. were created how the monsters were made how all the effects were made right. like i knew it wasn't real even right. at a young age you're and, in on it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like uh what is that dude um ray Bolton. um he's the one who did um the thing um john carpenter's the thing yes i'm getting his first name mixed up um do you know i'm drawing a blank oh. but uh, i know his last name was Bolton. but you know he his his uh special effects and it was it has just off the off the uh, the charts. Yeah, he just done. Uh, I think it's Ray Bowden. I, I want to say uh, Joe Dante's The Howling, and that's how he got the gig for the thing. Yeah, 
I yeah. just finished a Carpenter uh, uh-huh. novel or a, a biography of Carpenter. It was fantastic. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, no, no, no. He is fantastic. I don't know, Catherine, do you guys get into, you and Doug, do you guys get into horror? So, I, I love horror, but I, I can't, like, I can take it in, he's like, no, she, <laughs> <laughs> he knows, because I have to, I'm like, clutching on to him for too long. Yeah. Like, I'm so, I'd get That's so why into it physically. <laughs> <laughs> but also, some, if we're watching at home, then I have the luxury of turning it off pause. and pausing. Pause. I'm like, I have to pause it, I have to pause it. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I get very invested. Yeah, <laughs> but no, no, I do no, like no it. that is just fantastic. And we'll get into your origin story and how Eclectic Box San Francisco is happening. Uh, Catherine, how are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. Thanks for asking. Yeah, you just come off. You were just finishing doing uh, an engagement. Yes. Um, today, I, I just came from a ballerina brunch. It was. I've been taking lessons at ABA Alameda Ballerina Alameda Ballet Academy for since 2014, and um, no one's ever reached out and been like, let's all get together outside of class. So this one woman did that. And so we had a brunch at her place in Oakland Hills. She's an assistant principal at a um, at a middle school, and it was a great bunch of ladies and some kids running around, and it was beautiful. So I, that's what I'm just coming off of. And then, yeah. yeah. And you uh, just put out uh, two earlier this year. Yes. Two records. Uh, one yes. of them is called Sonatine. Sonatine. Sonatine Dreams. Sonatine yeah. Dreams. And you don't even know this, but I have a clip of it that I want to play <laughs> right now. I won't play all of it, but it is really, really beautiful. It just reminds me of like Fiona Apple, or it's just, oh, it's almost, out. it's just, just a mood, you know, it just, and you have all sorts of other things. I think you have a, uh, almost like a rock uh, thing going on mm-hmm. with it. Um, so you've got a lot of different styles on the record. Yeah. How are the sales going or the streaming or whatever's oh, going? You know, I, I honestly, I, recorded that many years ago sonatine dream was recorded maybe finished in 2012 or something mm-hmm. and um i finally just released it on all the digital platforms and um i didn't expect anyone to like the song promise i really just it was the last song that of the ep and i had time to do one more song so i wrote another song quickly and i i loved it but i didn't think anyone else i definitely didn't think it would be on radio so mm-hmm. very delighted that kalx is is it's on rotation sometimes right exactly very surprised yeah too. and a week yeah. ago uh, klx you did a, a live stream yes of we did a live uh, Catherine Park and friends yes it was wonderful um it was really great the people working there they're students <laughs> mm-hmm. and they're supervised by um, one of the the board members and it was uh great we had a a one student who she's um there's a lot of interns like around and people engineering for the first time we've got a beautiful mix mm-hmm. i've done like radio shows on the east coast where we had to be all acoustic they weren't like equipped to have like electric instruments and teeny tiny space and yeah. so i got the best mix i've ever had and it was at the college station so very hey. very 
impressed. Now, that is wonderful. And, uh, you know, we always want to promote on the A, not just the people that we're interviewing right now, but folks have been on in the past to make sure that, you know, that everyone is supported. So, no, that is wonderful. That is fantastic. Are you going to get on stage anytime soon? Oh, I hope so. Um, I I don't know when, you know, you just, I have to get out there and audition. Uh, The generals (laughs) are coming, right? TBA is doing their generals again. Yeah, I got an email from Melissa Hillman, and she's going to come on the A to talk about the TBA generals, because for a while, it's been offline or it's been, I guess, you send mm-hmm. videos and now they want to do it more live. And that's a quick question. I mean, uh, whether, I know as an actor, I'd rather do an audition face-to-face live. Yes. I don't like the, uh, you know, the video. Of course, you can do great auditions, um, you know, recording it. But uh, I don't know. This is something, something about Something in the air. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, there have been some current events. I'll just touch on a little bit of it. And, you know, if anything jumps out, you know, that we can talk about it. Um, this morning, waking up, I hope there's not going to be another war. But, you know, uh, Israel and Hamas, they're at war. And I'm hoping that it doesn't explode into anything further or bigger. Mm-hmm. But I'm a little worried about that. Uh, Sting is 72 years old. As a matter of fact, you favor Sting. <laughs> Has anyone told currently, you that? Currently. <laughs> I usually but, have blue hair. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Exactly. I've, I've seen pictures of you with yeah. blue hair, yeah. But my God, Sting. He just doesn't, I mean, I, I'm thinking in my mind he's eternally 40 or 50 years old yeah. or so. <laughs> but in any case, hey, it's we're all getting there. <laughs> there is a trend called beige flags. We've heard of red flags and beige. white oh, flags. Oh, beige flags. You've heard of that, Catherine? Per- on the periphery. On the yeah. dating site. I mean, uh, you know, I've, you guys are couples. I'm still a bachelor, so I'm still on the dating scene. But apparently there's a thing that the millennials are calling beige flags. So if you're too boring, <laughs> <laughs> then that is the, I guess, you're labeled, you know, a beige flag. And okay. Who knows on the dating site, they may have a little symbol beige flag if someone wants to, I don't know, flag you out or whatever. But <laughs> You know, it's funny we say these flags, and if you see a red flag, what are you supposed to do? I think I saw someone, I think it was Attachment Nerd on Instagram, and Mm -hmm. she was like, here's what you do when you see a red flag. You have to imagine a stop sign. And I was like, okay, there's something, like, some, like, way forward through that. Because we hear about red flags, but we don't necessarily know what to do about them. Yeah, and (laughs) who's actually flagging the red flag? You know, (laughs) one person's red flag may be another person's, hey, I'm into that. That's really cool. That's right. That's true. <laughs> so, are you guys are you guys a couple or or no? No, no. Okay. <laughs> so, a of do, you, do you have any yeah. comments on dating or whatever and this whole you know the phenomenon of red flags? Or a lot well, of we're both stuff. happily coupled with yeah. other people. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I've been with my partner for twenty three years. Yeah. So, like, I don't understand dating as it is right now. <laughs> it terrifies me. To yeah. Be completely honest. I mean, there are all these labels. Like, uh, we had Ken Fisher on, who uh, heads up uh, Theater Rhinoceros, and we were mm-hmm. talking about metrosexual and heter and ha- sapiosexual, and I'm like. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> My sister says that I'm metrosexual. I'm like, you know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I have no idea. It just means you take good care of yourself. Oh, good. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Get the haircut like you yeah. do. Right, exactly. So, Glowing yeah, I don't, I don't understand a lot of this stuff at all. So, <laughs> um, Kevin McCarthy out of the speakership. Okay, you know, that's going on. The Republicans are doing the same old, you know, tap dance again. I don't know if you guys are into oh, politics yeah. at all, but... The Republicans, they just find ways of, you know, this, and it's a bookend, you know, the, the year started with him, you know, going 15 times, 15 votes to get the speakership, mm-hmm. to bow to the knee of Matt Gates and the others. Right. And, and, and accepting that one uh, House Representative member could 
host him oh, and accepting yeah. that as part of the deal. Right, exactly. And, and of course Mike is going to come after him. Yeah, yeah, McCarthy took a Faustian deal. He oh, really yeah. Did. <laughs> and promising things to everybody and right, exactly. going back on his word. And well, yeah. I mean, Kevin McCarthy, you know, he, this is when the whole 2020 thing was going on. He did the right thing by saying Donald Trump is wrong for trying to, you know, usurp the election or try to thwart, you know, the proper transform, transferring of power. Mm-hmm. But then he goes to Mar-a-Lago and takes a snapshot with him. It's like, oh, you know, we're still friends, right? The Republican <laughs> Party, I mean, they're just, they're so dependent. I, I'm a little stunned. I mean, I'll ask uh, you two, are you stunned that Donald Trump, even after four indictments, you know, he, you know, a New York judge says that he can't do business in New York at all. But yet, his popularity, he's still 40% among Republicans. Mm-hmm. I don't it understand you? it. I yeah. really don't. It, it, it's, a, it's a stranglehold on a party that yeah. makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. So so we'll see. Are you nervous, Catherine? Are you, Doug, uh, are you nervous? <laughs> you know who makes me not nervous is yeah. AOC. You can share. Yeah. You can share <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. She, on her Instagram, she was like, okay, someone asked me to explain what's happening in the house like it's to a five-year-old, and I'm here for that. And she <laughs> did it, and I was like, okay, I know what's going on. I feel like, okay, I understand. <laughs> She's more relatable. Yeah. And can... Brilliant, yeah. yeah. Oh, AOC? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. You know, the Green New Deal. I mean, yeah. I think, you know, there are a lot of... I'm sort of... I consider myself a moderate Democrat. I think you do have to reach across the table, and there are certain bills, even though you're right, will never be passed. You know, and like, I'm, I'm for anti-gun. I don't believe anyone should own a gun unless you... Um, you know, I used to work at a bank, and they're store owners, and they carry large deposits to banks, mm-hmm. and so they need to protect themselves. But no one needs AR-15. No. I mean, th- that's just ridiculous. No. So, high you know, five. go ahead. Oh, no, I just said high five. Yeah, yeah sorry, high five, yeah. <laughs> and it's just, uh, but, but, you know, these are bills, for whatever reason, in the Midwest, you guys know the Midwest more than I do. Mm-hmm. They love, the, you know, their guns, for whatever reason. The Bible reason. Belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Bunch so. of red states. Yeah. Do you have any comments about this whole uh, tr- Taylor Swift, Kelsey, Travis Kelsey thing? Because who? Oh, how she's going to the, the games. She's going to the games. Yeah. So Travis Kelsey, he's a two-time Super Bowl. He's a tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, life goes on. You know, if you're a football fan, you know him. If you don't, then what's the big deal? Taylor Swift, <laughs> the 50s, you know, she's the number one recording artist. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're dating. And the NFL has to, you know, do... That's why the game tomorrow will be, you know... Um, they they flex what they call a flex scheduling, so now it'll be prime time because Taylor <laughs> Swift is going to be there. And Taylor's, you know, she's a little pissed off. She's like, "Listen, this is my private life." Okay, Travis yeah. asked me out, so I took I went out. Why do I have all these cameras in front of me? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe a marketing thing. Who well, the hell knows? I did see like when she was on tour. I heard that there was some football player who was like trying to get her number. I think it was, it was like, him. Yeah, and it yeah. was him. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, when that all unfolded, I was like, you know, good for her. Like, good for them. <laughs> um, and of course, the bros are like, good for him. You know, yeah, travel. So who knows? I just want them to be happy. That's yeah, all. <laughs> but like the New York Times and CNN, everyone is doing work. Uh, you know, there's these a whole articles. other celebrity that goes with being kind of like a either a pop star or rock star it's like a whole other level people get very very interested and they they'll just she's at a restaurant and then it's just like swarmed like well it's hilarious how her fan base are now like you know it's a lot of these women who are not into football? Yeah, <laughs> never heard of this guy before, and now is buying his jersey. Yeah, just because. Yeah, 
<laughs> so he's got like apparently his like um, you know uh, well his ratings jersey, have gone up tremendously uh, since yeah because I think he gets a part of the profit if his jersey sells and all that stuff. Um, yeah, and you smart never know if it's a marketing go thing. For a smart gal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you never know if it's a marketing thing or if it's real love or who knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, Travis's mother is very very happy. Yeah. I do I do feel bad about Travis's dad because I know that they've separated and she's getting all the press and you know I, I have no mm-hmm. idea what's going on with that. Uh, one last thing and it does deal with theater. So Lily Janik and we've had her on. She's a critic. Oh yeah. San Francisco Chronicle critic, uh, theater critic, and she's t- she wrote an article about the demise of black box theater mm-hmm. and whether she and other critics or people who write about theater excuse me, should take responsibility for it. She's just asking an open question. I have some thoughts on it. My general what thought is thoughts? probably not because I just don't think post-millennials or younger people are even looking at papers or even reading mm-hmm. online articles. Usually if I know about a show that's happening, like if Catherine, if you're in a musical, you'll post it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You'll send me a link, and then boom, I'll mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I usually I'm not reading the San Francisco Chronicle to read it. You know, if I now if I'm an actor, of course I want to get you know see if I'm mm-hmm. your name's get, in it. If my name's in it, <laughs> yeah. Good press, bad press, or whatever. Um, I just don't know if the general public is even paying attention to to that part of it. Mm, I mean, do you, do you have any thoughts about this, Danny? I I would say they're not in general. I think most people who are fans of theater mm-hmm. are not gonna they have they know what they like they know what companies they like to follow mm-hmm. what types of shows they like to do they like like to see so i think a lot of i think a lot of the theater critics in the bay area focus more on a more traditional mm-hmm. theater mm-hmm. and what i love so much about the bay area is it's we all of so many companies and artists think outside of the box. Yeah. And there's all different kinds of theatrical performances that are not for everyone. Mm-hmm. But there's such an eclectic group of people in the Bay. So there's something for everyone here, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that's, I would say no. I don't think that, I think sometimes theater critics can be a little unfair because if they come into a show and it's just not their cup of tea, mm-hmm. then they might really dog the show right exactly and i'll bring you in just to get your views because when we had lily on she freely admitted that there are types of theaters that she gravitates towards and Mm. i was like well what how do you how do you handle how do you give how do you be what is it called subjective objective i never know what Mm. how do you how do you become objective i think objective Mm -hmm. subjective (laughs) (laughs) right but how do you be fair if you're going to walk into a theater and give a review, but what do you, what are your thoughts on well, the I'm, I'm just a question to you, Danny. So, you've been doing dreams for X number of years. Mm-hmm. How many theater critics have come in and to review your shows? I don't even invite theater critics to see my shows. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I don't. I just. I don't. It, that's not what's important to me. What's important yeah. to me is that the audience walks away and wants to come back. Yeah. Yeah. You know. But do you feel like you don't want to take the risk? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100% because mm. the type of shows I put on is not for everyone. Mm. Um, so the people who love our shows, love our shows and come every come to every show that we do and we'll come back and see the same show multiple times. Um, but it's again we're not for everyone. So and yeah. I feel like we're not we're not in that like traditional 
grouping of theater. So yeah, I think yeah. that Lily and maybe some other critics may think of themselves as gatekeepers. Like, well, you know, if I say yay or nay, then that mm. theater will rise or fall. And I just don't th- think that anymore. I mean, yeah. it's not maybe back, maybe at one point that was sure. true. Oh sure, I but mean, I don't I, think I, now. I remember going to school in New York, and of course, Frank Rich was like the god. <laughs> you mm. know, everyone lived and died on you know his review and what he thought of your show or not. Right. And I think we're beyond that, especially black box theater. You know, mm-hmm. there's such an eclectic group of, you know, I remember being a part of the darkroom theater mm-hmm. where um, Jim Fordianis, you know, he had that, you know, sort of like a CBGBs. It was mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, we don't do the stuff that the Strand does or that, you know, the Orpheum does. You know, this isn't Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. You know, we're doing the Twilight Zone, you know, parody or we're doing... Um, uh, what is it? The um, the Gong Show mm-hmm. live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's just fun stuff. You know, it's almost like Saturday Night Live or Second City TV. So mm-hmm. we're just here to have a good time. So it doesn't matter what a critic. I mean, thinks. I appreciated that she uh, interviewed and contacted Chuck, uh, Chris Jones from Chicago, who was a very predominant uh, reviewer there. And it was nice to get his perspective as well. Yeah, that this isn't just. Uh, her experience as a Bay Area <clears throat> right. uh, reviewer, but she reached out to other major cities and mm-hmm. got their feedback as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, also, there's like, I mean, I was on Wikipedia this morning. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, what is, do people go to school to be a theater critic? Yes, they do. Okay, there's the reviewing side, and mm-hmm. then there's the critique side. Right. There's these two sides, and I mean, she probably does both. Mm-hmm. And then also, just thinking it from a, perf- because I'm a performer, from a performer's perspective i remember getting my first reviews like when i'm in the having a career and having a like a professional footprint a little bit sure and it's it felt to me like you're when you're in school or you're a young person you have these teachers and some of them and you want a pat on the head but some of them but some of them see you Mm -hmm. and we all want to be seen and and you know and that's so important yeah like that's why like representation Mm -hmm. across the board is so important for every all those young kids out there and teenagers who are not they don't fit into that box like you know mainstream or normal normal quote-unquote kids people are doing things that we feel like we're contributing making Mm -hmm. a new theater company doing something differently than has been done before Mm -hmm. and we just we want to be seen and also um i feel like we're all teachers and the theater critics they have that role where they can be imaginative they can fall in love with with performers and companies and and um tell the story of what's happening but let me let me throw something in here so let's say lily janik reviews a show that you are in and let's say she's like yeah she's okay but you know whatever you know but yeah maybe all of the people who are on your facebook feed or your instagram feed is like wow i saw it and it was magnificent you were fantastic wouldn't you think that have more weight? So she has reviewed shows I've been in. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> uh, the interesting thing was yeah. the write-up of the show came out before our opening night. Oh, there so you go. she never, uh, to my knowledge, uh-huh. never saw my performance. Oh. I mean, I don't know. I good question, Lily, if you're, if you're listening. <laughs> did you see? Did you come see it? Because I was looking out on the audience every night. I know, like maybe you wear your disguise or something, but mm. I don't. I don't know. Uh, but like I and I felt like I remember feeling like there are very specific things that, as a biracial Korean American British 
person with background like this that I did with Eleanor of Aquitaine that had not been done before. Like, I cared she was French, but mm-hmm. not just French, like, from the Aquitaine. Yeah. She had this language and this culture that, like, has had been stamped down later by mm-hmm. the, the Cath... Cath- whatever, Cathars. And so there was parts of it and that genocide that happened in France with the Basque people that like I cared about with mm-hmm. her. And I was like, I want to talk about this with people and like maybe like, you know, have it be understood. But like, I feel like you you get that by actually going and, and talking, getting to know people, having relationships and getting in there and, and right. loving each other and caring. Yeah. Right, right. So I don't know if the theater critic has the power that they may think that they have. And certainly there are a lot of other factors that go on. Well yes we do. Yes we do. And how we use it is important. But I think the demise or, you know, the rise of black box theater or small theater has a lot to do more with uh, finance and the economy than a critic. Right, exactly. And the function of it, like is like it's cool that it's very cool to tell about what's going on in the play and get people interested, but also it's cool to, you know, really delve into what's happening. Like I love how in Rolling Stone they when they interview a rock star, they go to them, mm-hmm. spend days following mm-hmm. them around, and mm-hmm. that's how they get their story because they have the access. Yep. So mm-hmm. not being afraid to really get in there and have that journalistic integrity to like see what this person eats for breakfast and like (laughs) see how how they drive a car i don't know like just all the little having a deep deeper understanding of the and that's what we all crave that attention Mm -hmm. and that connection with each other and we want that from our critics even though they might they may see like oh it's like we shouldn't get too close so just like teachers Mm -hmm. i went to school for teaching and Four years of undergrad of music education, not one class on how to love your students. Mm, and that's what's wow. so important is yeah. that human connection. And yeah, you want that yeah. from our critics and everyone. No, no, no. Yeah. Excellent, excellent point. Let's get into an origin story. So are the both of you from the Midwest? From Yes. Yes. From Absolutely. I- from Iowa, right? I'm from Iowa. Okay. I'm, I'm from Indiana. Wow, right next to each other. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sort of. Yeah, close enough. Danny, we'll begin with you. Uh, so, um, what, what was it growing up in Indiana? Um, Matter of fact, Norman G is from Gary, Indiana. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm from southern Indiana, um, and southern and northern Indiana are very different in the sense that, like, California, mm-hmm. you know, southern California, northern California. Um, so, I grew up very close to Kentucky and um, a lot of agricultural communities. Um, not very open-minded, very, uh, you know, is the Bible Belt, it's a red state, um, yeah. a lot Mike, of Christianity. Well, Mike Pence country. <laughs> Mike Pence, yeah. yes. He was the governor for quite some time. Um, Do you have uh, siblings? Um, yeah, I have two uh, older brothers, um, and, uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm queer, and so growing up a queer kid in Indiana was pretty tough mm-hmm. and was a big reason why I moved out to San Francisco so yeah now were you involved in theater or the arts or any of that stuff when you were younger uh, I was not involved in theater at all I was always artistic um, in fact I actually just a couple of years ago reconnected with my first grade teacher on Facebook <gasps> nice. she was one of those teachers that I that felt saw you? seen yeah, yeah. Um, she was fantastic and Incredible. She reminded me that when I was in first grade, when asked what I wanted to be when I grew up, I said, 
I want to be an artist. <laughs> just left it at that. Just mm-hmm. very general. You are. And I am. Yeah, I grew up. So. Yeah. And um, but yeah, I didn't get into theater. I started doing special effects makeup, self-taught in 2011. Yeah. And I was working on like um, film projects and um, photo shoots and that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. then I was kind of at the point of, do I move to LA? Do I Mm -hmm. stay up here? And I just really loved the Bay. So Mm -hmm. I didn't really want to try to do that struggle of LA. Mm. And I thought, well, there's a big theater scene up here. So maybe if I get my toes in the theater community doing um, makeup and getting that on my resume. And so I got hired to do the um, design, all the character looks and do the makeup for a stage production of Bram Stoker's Dracula mm. wow. and instantly fell in love with like the live aspect of theater yeah. and wow. six months later I had written produced and directed my first and formed my theater company uh-huh. I was like this is this is what I want to do yeah how about you um so uh, I was growing up in Iowa uh, I I'm gonna say Des, Des Moines <clears throat> Uh, Des Moines is the capital of Iowa, yes. Mm-hmm. I did not grow up anywhere near there. I grew up in northeast Iowa. Gotcha. Uh, right on the Mississippi River, a very small town. Uh, I graduated in a class of 63 people. Wow, small. Tiny. Um, and also, as a queer kid in a teeny tiny town, it wasn't easy. Yeah. Um, Siblings? Uh, yes, I have a brother. Okay. A younger brother, who's fantastic. Um, and I went to finish high school, went to a liberal arts college, a four degree, four year degree, and I studied theater dance and visual art. Okay, sort of mashed the two together. So yeah, great four years of just being to play and try all sorts of different things and sort of figure out, you know, what mm. I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. Yeah. Um, and then after graduation, I ended up moving to Chicago and was a stage actor for eight years. Okay. There. Uh, I did a couple one man shows. I did a tour of a some major cities in the U.S., mm-hmm. and uh, in the process, I met uh, the person who became my partner. Right on. Um, and uh, he was finishing his Ph.D. at UCLA. Okay. So we uh, had a long-distance relationship for quite a bit, mm-hmm. and uh, eventually settled in, in Chicago, and uh, he had a job opportunity uh, to work at Mayo Clinic mm-hmm. uh, as a post uh, postdoc, and we could either go to Rochester, Minnesota, mm-hmm. which I was familiar with, or we could go to Phoenix, Arizona. And I said, let's go where it's warm. <laughs> <laughs> and I, being a, a stage actor, I had, you know, like the day job mm-hmm. where I didn't love it, but I did the day jobs where I could perform. Sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, I realized I didn't really want to do that anymore and that theater wasn't as important to me. And I really wanted to go back to school and become a massage therapist. So... Uh, one of the shows that I was in was selected for the New York Fringe Festival. It was uh, original production. It was called Poseidon, an upside down musical. Okay. It was a musical version of the cool. Poseidon Adventure. Mm-hmm. And we got selected for the Fringe Festival. And I went to New York and performed on stage. And I said, This is it. Yes. Like, I'm going to stop here. I don't know what's going to happen after this, but mm-hmm. this is how I want to end this. Now, did it affect your relationship? I mean, hopefully your partner was okay. Oh, completely supportive the whole time. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Supportive of me being a performer. Yeah. Supportive of me deciding to transition to something else. Yeah. Um, and then I just stopped. I went, uh, became a massage therapist and stopped performing for 15 years, 16 mm. years. Mm. And then Danny came along. How did the two of you meet? 
Well, it's funny. I used to be a massage therapist as well, mm-hmm. and we worked at the same spa mm-hmm. just briefly. Like I'd started working there, and he was kind of on his way out. Yeah. But we had we made a mutual friend who worked there, Lara. Lara Clements. And. And she just knew we needed to meet each other, mm. and oh like gosh. didn't. I don't think that I had told her that I had a background in performing, um, and she was mentioning Danny's shows to me because you were doing. Strangers at that point, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, I love that show. I should go see a show." And I just never did. And mm-hmm. Laura just kept insisting, "Like, <laughs> you two need to hang out. You two need to spend some time together." Yeah, you know. And you put you did Barbarella, mm-hmm. and <laughs> okay, Laura said, "I'm, I'm going to yeah. I'm going to take you to go see Barbarella. You need to see one of Danny's shows." And I, I was hooked from that point on. So then every dream show, mm-hmm. I tried to see as much as I could. Um, and it sounds up. like you cast him. Did you cast him in any of your shows? Yeah. Here it comes. So I was, I, uh, we had it just announced we were going to do uh, Flash Gordon. Mm-hmm. And oh, I can totally see you as Flash Gordon. <laughs> well, no, Flash he Gordon. was not Flash Gordon. Not Flash Gordon. He, but the, the, he had come to, to another show. and then, Yeah. And then we had, he was like, oh, I, I heard you're going to be doing Flash Gordon. Like, I would love to get involved, like helping with sets or whatever I can do. Um, and I was like, yeah, well, do you want to be in it? <laughs> and I freaked out because I hadn't performed in 16 years. And like, I, mm-hmm. I was done with that part of my life. I wasn't going to go back. And I was like, um, may- maybe, I don't, I don't know. Like, <laughs> and we just started talking about characters and I said, oh, have you, did you cast uh, General Clytus yet? And Danny said, no. What, why, why would you ask for that role? And I said, because it's a great role. I like, I love the movie. It's such a great role. And she said, yeah, but Joe, you're going to be behind a mask the whole time. We're just going to see your face. And I said, I don't care. <laughs> I want this role. If, 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 you'll, if, I, you know, if you'll trust me with it, mm-hmm. I want to take it. And she was like, okay, if that's what you want. You can have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and that was we did it. Flash Gordon together, and yeah. that was it. He's, and yeah. we're just, she can't get rid of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, love, I love stories like that because we've had folks come on to say, well, I stopped because I'm building a family or mm-hmm. the day job is taking over. I mean, right. I've been working for the district attorney's office for years, right. whether it be San Francisco or Oakland. So we all need that day job and we're worried yes. that, mm-hmm. well, there goes my theater life or there goes you know that life. I just need to move on. Mm-hmm. But then someone creative says, no, 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 no. I see something in you. Come. You know, mm-hmm. we want you to do this. So that's awesome. Well, I think too, like during the pandemic i think so many of us were like that's we're not you know what are we doing we're not good we weren't good enough like i i personally i had made the choice i'm never doing theater again i started like clearing out my storage unit i thought i'm never doing makeup again like i'm Mm. i'm i and i had gone back to school um for uh, graphic design and animation during the pandemic and so i was like that's animation is going to be my new career it's more financially stable Mm. going in that direction um but i think so many of us during the pandemic thought that like that's you know we're never doing it Mm. and now i'm about to open up a theater venue well (laughs) you you should go back and talk a little bit about Edward Scissorhands and the cast and the pandemic and wh- how you got to where how we got how, where you are. So we were supposed to do so my theater company Dreams on the Rocks. We do. Um, I like to describe it as we our shows are reimaginings of cult classics through a modern queer gaze. Mm-hmm. Nice. And um, in twenty, we were set to do 
in May of 2020, we were supposed to do Edward Scissorhands. And uh, in March, the first week of March of 2020, we had our table read. Mm -hmm. And it went great. And then it was a day or two later, the world shut down. Yeah, yeah. And so then going through lockdown, when I was like, that's it, I'm never doing theater again. I had everyone in the cast would like... occasionally messaged me to be like we're still going to do Edward right we're still going to do Edward Scissorhands and I just didn't know what to say to them because in my mind I was like I'm not I'm done you know and then um we when the darkroom stopped doing when the darkroom closed down and stopped doing Twilight Zone parody series they handed it down to me and so we didn't we weren't able to do do it in 2020 um because I didn't want to do the you know a lot of theater companies were doing like the online zoom yeah and I just was like uh theater's meant to be live I don't yeah right so we didn't do anything in 2020 and so then 2021 came around and it seemed like um wait it was 2021 right (laughs) I've totally lost my where's 2022 2022 it's a big blur for all of us those okay. three years. So 2021, we did, yeah, 2020, 2021, we did not do it. And then 2022, it was like, okay, summer, we, we can finally bring Twilight Zone back. And mm-hmm. I had talked to Eric Johnson, and yeah. I told him, I was like, I don't want to do theater anymore, but we can't, I can't, I was handed this responsibility and the privilege of being able to carry on this show that's been going on for 22 years um, in the city. So I had told, I had asked him, like, do you want to take the reins of it on it and take it over? And he was like, well, let's, let's think about this. Why don't we, let's, why don't you do it in 2022? And then um, if you decide after that, you don't want to do it, then we'll, I will take it over. We'll, we'll find a good person to hand the torch off to. Okay. I was like, okay, fair enough. So we did it in 2022, and it was like the second opening night. You know, the audience, the lights came up. It was just like, this is what we're supposed to be fucking doing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, this is it. And, and honestly, think, I just had a bunch of thoughts. That, yeah, you're absolutely right. People yeah. were just dying for live yeah. theater, yes. and so we really needed it. And also, just the Twilight Zone, because mm-hmm. not only do I know Eric Johnson from that, well, and also from The Marriage of Benton Boo, that's a poster if you don't know if you're oh, that's what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, but also Scott Munson, he's written yes. a bunch of yes. stuff for the Twilight That's Zone. Craig and Craig uh, yeah. Souza mm-hmm. has directed, and we're all ex Eastenders. Mm-hmm. You know, we were part of a company called the Eastenders uh, Theater uh, Project. But also getting back to taking cult classics and giving it, you know, the uh, gay lesbian. I think that there's some of these classics, it's already in there. Oh, 100%. Like, I was thinking about um, the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. There are all sorts of gay elements in there. I mean, there are all sorts of, you know, just Well, horror in general is innately queer. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's why so many queer kids, I think, resonate with horror-themed uh, yeah. you know, shows Discovery and movies. Discovery of sexuality and mm-hmm. the whole, um, I'm not going to say religious things, but you know, like the bad, the bad yeah. girls get killed mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, the precious one stays around. I mean, there are all sorts of, you know, just little things, little, mm-hmm. you know, just, I don't know what you would call them. Well, and also just, uh, I think a lot of queer kids relate to the monsters in the horror movies yes. because um, they're these outcasts. And, interesting, I haven't thought about that. Yes. You know, yeah. and that's how we grew up most mm-hmm. Of, I mean, I think, fortunately, I think more of the, like, uh, younger generations aren't going through, fortunately, as 
much of that as like we did when we were growing up yeah. especially yeah. in the midwest but um yeah horror is in like top to bottom gay yeah <laughs> gay 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 yeah no we had we had a uh, sherilyn conley i don't know if you know sherilyn conley but she's a trans woman and she was a big part of the darkroom theater oh oh yeah okay i know yeah i know yeah she and um she's around i want to say late 40s maybe early 50s and she talked about how she's a bit envious of how younger gays and lesbians or you know those who are part of the lgbtq community are freer mm-hmm. to express themselves mm-hmm. and in a society that will express them. billy porter you know just walking down mm-hmm. with a dress and you know whether whether it's the grammys or the emmys or whatever it is and uh, it's just not something that you know that you had in the 80s you know where even holding hands can you know well i mean and to be fair, I mean, we could go, my ex-partner and I just maybe, I think it was 2015, we, um, she's from California, we had flown back to Indiana to see my family, and then we took a road trip down south to Georgia to visit some of her family. Mm-hmm. There was no holding hands while we were down there, um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm covered in tattoos, she had purple hair at the time, mm-hmm. it was, um, we were right from the get go of getting out of our cars at the gas mm. station it was like a record like scratch you know mm. like it was very much like we we did not feel comfortable which state was this again uh like, georgia oh yeah georgia. yeah, yeah. Okay. but you know pick one it could be yeah. georgia it could be Indiana. <laughs> yeah. there's a wonderful yeah. book i'm reading and it talks about retro america versus metro america mm. there's a country of you know in this country there are either people who want to move forward and there are people who want to keep this country back right. to the supposed good old days and it's just ridiculous Mm-hmm. Let's talk about eclectic, um, eclectic box, mm-hmm. San Francisco. How did um, you know? How were you able to secure the place? I mean, because a lot of a lot of folks just don't have the money <laughs> to secure it, and uh, a lot of people were like, "Eh, there's just not money to be made." And but you know, you're keeping it alive. So talk to us about that. Yeah, um, Ty had reached out to Ty McKenzie. Yes, Ty McKenzie. I want to get her on them on it. I want to be respectful of you know pronouns, but. I've known um, time for years. Yeah, from like the darkroom days, yes, I would imagine. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, Ty had sent out an email, like it was springtime, to people who had um, were going to be renting the theater past October. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were one of them. We had a show set in, for December. And so um, Ty sent an email out to, to the renters, just letting them know, like, this is the situation. I'm going to be closing stage works in October. Um, and so I, and then I, um, they had posted on Facebook that, um, the same thing. And then was just, had mentioned something about, you know, like if somebody wanted to take over the lease, like that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. So it's in the stage works. Yes. Oh, stage wow. Works space. Yeah. 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 That's, I've the always been there in rehearsals there. Oh yeah. yeah. That's going to be our, yeah. 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 Very cool um, and so I had emailed or I had sent a text to, there's a, we, we, call ourselves the core four but it's me and joe and eric johnson Mm -hmm. and roxanne redmeat um we're like the 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 four core members of dreams on the rocks yeah and uh i sent a text out that was like you guys (laughs) this is like this is what's happening like we could to do this yeah and crickets <laughs> no, <laughs> crickets. No, mm. no nothing. French invitation. Yes. Like no one wants to be the first <laughs> one. To yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I think everyone was just like 
nervous and just kind of yeah. like no there's no way like that's like way that's above yeah. yeah and that's I just kept poking yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just kept poking I kept poking I kept poking and then um and then it then Ty had actually I had reached out to Ty and was just asking a lot of questions regarding like the the space and um and I, you know, I just started thinking too about the fact that, like, you know, the exit close, which is where we had always performed at piano fight. It was around the time piano mm-hmm, fight was closing, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And st- I was just like, there's so many companies mm-hmm. and artists that are displaced now; they have no mm-hmm. homes. Mm-hmm. And one, it's like we couldn't just bear to see another black box theater close, but also like there is like there are renters out there there are companies Mm -hmm. that could fill this venue up you know yeah so um i just you know kept poking and poking until finally core four said yes so (laughs) yeah and and then eric johnson eric johnson was the big uh yeah the big so eric johnson is essentially we love you eric yeah, uh, he is the voice of reason for he's us. Dad. He's, he's dad. dad. he's dad. He's dad. dad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because we have all these fantastic, crazy ideas yeah. that we just bombing at him. Yeah, and he goes. Well, Eric, yeah, has, well, Eric has an administrative mind. He yeah, does. He does. As well as an artistic yeah. mind. Yeah, so. he does. He does. I, the other thing about Danny sent that text, mm-hmm. and it was one of those where, personally, I just need to just do on it for a bit mm-hmm. because initially it sounded overwhelming. And then as the weeks went by and I thought about it more, it made more sense. And as, you know, sort of the process that we've gone through in this whole experience is that everything seems to be aligning for us. Mm -hmm. Like, lots of great things have just landed in our laps Mm -hmm. as we've gone, as we've taken another step forward, and another step forward, and another step forward. It's like the universe has been saying yes, 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 yes. We're getting, like, all green lights Mm -hmm. from the universe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that that was part of it for me, was, like, I just had a just... I had to stew on it for a bit mm-hmm. and ruminate. And as the weeks and months went by, it made more sense to me. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. why Why wouldn't we do this? Yeah. Like, yeah. this is scary yeah. and terrifying, but yeah. it's never going to happen again. Like, this, yeah, mm-hmm. that was the other thing. This? Like, this is, like, the best opportunity and the closest we'll ever get to having yeah. our own theater venue. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the one thing that any creative would want because it's always about... The property, you know, having a home, having your yes. having your yes. own home. Mm-hmm. Now, yes. whether you can afford it or not is another thing. So, and you know, administratively. But I did have a quick question for you. So, Eclectic Box, it is a home for theater, but you also produce theater as well. You not only just rent mm-hmm. it out for other folks. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about Eclectic Box as far as the company itself. So, you produce shows based on, I guess, you know. Um, so mm-hmm. a little. A distinction to make. So, Dreams on the Rocks is Danny's theater company and her baby. Gotcha. She and I are creating a collective box together, and gotcha. they're two separate things. So, Dreams on the Rocks will be one of several sort of uh, permanent resident companies mm-hmm. that live at a collective gotcha. box. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah, how it and works. some mm-hmm. of the other companies that have already booked 20, like our 2024 calendar is very full (laughs) which is awesome there's still room there's still room room. out there (laughs) but it's like there's less and less availability so we have have, uh, companies that are interested in joining us include Kelly My Lobster Awesome Theater Neo Futurists Mm -hmm. uh, Drunk Theater Drunk Theater yeah Uh, we've got 
Super cool. You know, and all of those folks were at those other venues. Sure. Yeah. Of a lot of them artisan residents. Yeah. And they've also just wanting to find a new home. Yeah. A new place. They've yeah. struggled over the last Absolutely. year, like having to jump from venue to venue and yeah. not having a permanent. Right. And that's so hard because it's like every venue you go into, you have to learn the space and get comfortable in that space. And, you know, like we used to always do shows at stage left at the exit and I know the measurements of that but that's stage you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. inside yeah, and out I've been in there too yeah 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 yeah, yeah. You know, but East- when you're having to jump around so much it's so yeah. hard well I mean everyone. being a part of uh, EastEnders which um, closed down for a long time ago but we were jumping around at first we were at the uh, the Ure- what would used to be called the Eureka Theater oh, sure. at Jackson Street, which was taken by Theodore Rhinoceros, now is taken over by Forty Second Street Moon. Mm-hmm. But jumping around and around, you feel like you're in a pond. There's a rock, you step on it, but of course it sinks. You got to step on another rock. You just want to have one spot right. where you don't have to move. Mm-hmm. And how do you get your audience to follow you exactly. as you jump from location to location? Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Let's talk about our dreams on the rocks. So I get it that Eclectic Box is the box. That's mm-hmm. the, just the theater home. Um, dreams on the rocks. That company's been going on for what, uh, 14, 15 years? Uh, 2014. 2014. Yeah. Yeah. Since 2014. Since 2014. Okay, yeah. so it hasn't been that long. Nine, almost 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But hey, that's still long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and is that the company that creates uh, stories from, I don't know, cla- cult classics from yes. the past? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got so it. we've done. Um, We've done uh, stage adaptations of Strangers with Candy, um, the Amy Sedaris, Stephen Colbert comedy uh, mm-hmm. from on Comedy Central in the late 90s, Barbarella, Flash Gordon, uh, Twilight Zone. Um, you did as Edward Scissorhands. Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. yeah, we were able to, three years later, we had the same cast from 2020. Right on. Um, so that was great. We're, Beetlejuice. We did Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. I lo- I'm a huge Tim Burton fan, yeah. so... Uh, I think all I think everyone in the company is. Um, next year we're doing well. In December we're actually doing a Nightmare on Elm Street Night- holiday special. Okay, I, was, I thought you were going to say Nightmare <laughs> Before Christmas, but oh yeah, 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 I would. That would be that would be awesome too. Um, mm-hmm. And then next year we're doing um, X Files. We're mm-hmm. doing Heather's. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be doing Twilight Zone again. So yeah. No, no, that is awesome, and um, you know uh, that is fantastic. Who does the writing for? You do. Mostly me, yeah. All right. Yeah. So how do you, um, as a writer, how do you develop your characters? I usually always ask, because we've had a bunch of writers. I've had Scott Munson on a bunch of times. And I think the one question I usually ask is, how do you, let's say if you have a mindset of one individual, like as a man, sometimes it's tough writing women characters, because I have to get into the mindset of, you know, of someone Mm -hmm. else. (laughs) And sometimes I'll ask, I'll say, hey, you know, can you read this? You know, does it sound right or whatever? Okay, (laughs) what justice do I need to make? But is it difficult for you writing different voices? I don't think so. I think they usually, I I usually just write from my own experiences, or um, a lot of characters, I kind of, if I have a specific actor in mind for that role, then I will cater that role mm-hmm. to that actor that's amazing yeah because yeah. i uh, majority of the actors who are part of dreams on the rocks i've worked with them for so many years and i'm really close i have close friendships with them outside of mm-hmm. theater so um i know their strengths and their weaknesses mm-hmm. and i i know exactly how they're gonna um 
how they're going to play. Yeah. When I give them a line, I, I just know how they're going to how they're going to read it. So yeah. I just I just have that. That's usually what how I. It sounds, like, it cool. sounds like a tailor. I mean, as an as yeah. a writer, you're tailoring the character or the you know the dialogue. Mm-hmm. For that particular person that you yeah, know you're incredible. going to take. No, that, no, that's awesome. And uh, in, in her writing, too, so she's she's taking source material that is very well known, mm-hmm. but looking at it through that modern queer gaze. And there's, sure. you know, those Burton films that we all love, mm-hmm. there are some problems with those Burton films, right? <laughs> and it's, it's sort of like pointing out, like, we love this film, but it's got some flaws and we're not afraid to point out what those flaws are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? mm. But I mean, thinking back to the Tim Burton films, Tim Burton himself is trying to make points. He's trying mm-hmm. to, you know, especially Edward Scissorhands, you know, like what's happening in the Midwest and how do mm-hmm. we judge people? And, well, and Edward Scissorhands is very much a, a queer fairy tale. Yeah. <laughs> like when you think about it, I mean, it's uh, the, everything about Edward himself is queer. You know, uh, mm-hmm. he's this outcast he's um he just li- lives lives his life the way that he wants to the way he sees the world like just the way he sees the world is just like so different everybody like sees him as this like um uh like kind of token character in a way you know and i think a lot of queer people experience that where it's like we're like the token queer person in the group or, mm. or whatever or at work or whatever it may be yeah. so depending but, on your environment if you're in the exactly. environment of non-queer yeah, yeah. yeah. the other thing too about Edward because we talked about it mm-hmm. extensively with the core four is that it's also a strange film because the heroine also is the villain in, in the end <laughs> which is really kind of messed up because she leaves it mm-hmm. yeah like she you know leaves the castle and 60 years later she's a grandmother living in the same town with her grandkids right down the street right down the street and never bothered to go back to even say hello just just abandon him yeah Catherine do you watch any of these classics like of the 90s or I mean oh, yeah I love Tim Burton and um, I I remember the first time seeing Edward Scissorhands and just I, I yeah I love all of it yeah yeah I remember 89 Batman you know when mm-hmm. he directed that and you know just all of the just the style, the stylisms, the style that he had. Yeah, I definitely, I feel very drawn to, um, I think his aesthetically, um, Tim Burton style had a huge influence on my aesthetic style mm-hmm. um, as an artist, absolutely. Yeah. Now, do you still do the um, the goth, I mean, uh, the, uh, the, the, gore. the gore makeup? Yeah, so I'm, uh, so Terror Vault, which is happening right now we have, a show, we have a show tonight <laughs> we're in the second weekend of it um i yeah i do all the design all the makeups um looks for all the characters in the show and i'm the lead the there's four makeup artists and i'm the team lead for that so nice Congrats. nice people should check out and we'll have a link to uh your um website Agorable designs and some really really cool stuff. And I think Joe, you're in some of these pictures. I am in some of these pictures. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> One or two. Um, I wanted to go back to talk about a click box for just a sure, sec. of course. So the other element, in addition to providing a home for the displaced companies, our other big priority is to be the home for new and emerging artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have already a plan in place for helping young uh, uh, performance artists and groups Mm -hmm. who are new to the Bay Area or have recently formed because the biggest problem 
in regards to putting on a production is raising the funds for it. Yeah. Mm. And so we're creating, putting something in place um, called Eclectic Emerging. And what that is is that uh, new performers, new groups who are new to the Bay Area recently formed, haven't ever produced a show. We want to, as part of our nonprofit work, offer them a discounted rate if they meet the criteria so that they pay significantly less than a regular renter would mm-hmm. because they don't have those funds. Wow. Um, and we just want to give them a foot in the door. No, that's fantastic. Yeah. You know, as a budding writer myself, I would love a space where I could, let's say, do readings mm-hmm. or I can, let's say, if it's up on its feet, you know, do one act or, you know, mm-hmm. even if I have the funds to, to do that and mm-hmm. to, you know, to have a show and not have to, you know, schlep my script around hoping yep. that a company will pick <laughs> yeah. it up. Yeah. I can just say, screw it, I'll just do it myself. Yeah. And if I get a good deal mm-hmm. via eclectic emerging, mm-hmm. yeah. then that would be wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, yeah. we want it to be a home for all. Yeah. Not just well-established companies who've been in the Bay for a very long time. We want it. We want everyone and everyone who has an idea, who has a concept, who has a dream yeah. that we want to try and help them make that and, happen. And uh, like all types of performances. Yes. So uh, drag, um, cabaret, um, scripted theater, improv, sketch comedy, music, uh, stand-up comedy, just dance, um, anything really. No, that's awesome. That is fantastic. And that's part of, do you guys have a website? We do. We do. Yes. Uh, EclecticBoxSF.com. Okay, excellent. And we'll, we'll have a link to that as well. Now, that is fantastic. And I'm looking at the time. It's one forty-one, so I want to be respectful of people's time. Um, but we have the website here, and uh, there are a couple of shows that are going on. Um, let's see here. Oh, I mentioned that Eric Johnson. He's a board <laughs> member of Eclectic Box. I've been talking about that. Uh Joel Knopf, he wrote a musical, The Last Ibex, and his original cast recording is on Spotify, so check that out. Uh, Sherilyn Conley, we've talked about mm-hmm. her. Her book out, Beautiful Ghosts, A Queer Memoir of San Francisco. Um, forget about the reading. That happened a while back. Uh, Sherry Lynn, uh, we've had her on the show. She has a book out. There are a lot of writers. There are a lot of um, playwrights mm-hmm. who are graduating into being novelists, so that's awesome. So that's mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, and she has a book out called Manifest Happy, so check that out as well. There are some shows going on. So The Engine of Our Disruption is playing at Central Works uh, October the 14th through November the 12th. Gary Graves is directing it, and Jan Fleifer is in it. Check that out. Uh, Rent is happening at the South Bay Musical Theater September the 30th through October 21st. Stephen McLeod and James Jones, they've both been on the show, and they're both in the show. They, they both have been on the yays and they're, and they're in the show. So check that out. Uh, Bald Sisters, San Jose Stage. The last show is tomorrow. That's a show directed by Jeffrey Lowe. Uh, check that out. Um, Fred Pitts' one-man show, Aren't You, is at the Marsh. So check that out. Uh, that ends October the 21st. Uh, Before the Sword, New Conservatory Theater. Uh, that ends October the 15th. Kim Donovan and Radhika Rao are in that show. So check that out. Uh, Citizen uh, is at Z Space. Uh, Carolina Moronis is in that show. That ends November the 12th. It opens October the 18th. Uh, Disenchanted, which is a a satirical critique of uh, Disneyland. (laughs) So that should be interesting. I'll sign up for that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) October the 12th through November the 5th, my good friend Eko Yamamoto is in that show. And she will then be in Sleeping Beauty. Uh, on December the 1st through the 30th, uh, Presidio Theater is doing that. So check that out. Um, 
SF Playhouse is doing Nollywood Dreams. Um, that is a um, a black take on Hollywood. Um, I'm not sure what's happening with that. But in any case, Angel Edudokin and Tamika Baptiste is in that show. So check that out. And there are a couple of other podcasts. Don't just listen to ours. Barry Graves has a podcast called The Black Man's Heart. He used to be uh, my Richard Wright in my play, Foreman in Paris. That's how I know him. Mallory Samara, our... Um, consulting producer her day job is kcbs radio and she is hosting two podcasts called it's generational and as prescribed she's producing those two um the central works has a podcast called the central works script club it's a podcast where you can download and read a play script and then listen to an audio interview with playwright delivered semi-annually and aaron henney uh we've had him on he is the artistic director of theater divic uh, a Jewish-based uh, theater company in L.A. Uh, they have a podcast called The Dibicast. Through a combination of performed readings and interviews with artists and scholars, The Dibicast brings these creations in the historical context to life, all while revealing their relationship to issues still present today. And the last one, Bindlestiff has the Fobcast, exploring Philippine-American immigrant stories. Check out the Fobcast. I was thinking, you guys should have a pop, pop, uh, uh, podcast. <laughs> I, I mean, that's sure about it. You can add that to the to-do list. Among <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> other things, but it would be a good way to promote what you guys are doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get Eric Johnson on that right away. Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening, Eric, right, get on exactly. that. <laughs> All right. Well, that is it. Uh, hopefully, you guys have enjoyed yourselves. No, yeah, thank, thank you so you much. much. It's yeah, been fun. for sure. Thank you. Yeah, no, that was awesome. And, Ka- and Catherine, thank you so much. Thanks for having folks, folks should absolutely... Uh, stream well you're on spotify right i am on everywhere i have to shout out title title plays the artist the most and they also t-i-d-a-l and also has the highest quality streaming for the music so Mm -hmm. check out title after that apple music plays second best pays second best um also as well Bandcamp is great um and i'll be playing at hotel utah on the 29th and a few other shows if you want to check out on socials Yep. And one last thing. Eclectic Box San Francisco is in need of funds, and it's important for all of us who care about live theater to contribute as best as we can. There's a link that will have givebutter.com slash Francisco SF, and consider giving to Eclectic Box, providing actors, directors, techs, and writers a new home for our dreams. I gave 50 bucks. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you very so much. much. And so much. Uh, I hope everyone, you know, listening to the A will give. <laughs> Look, oh. Catherine's getting Treasure. Wow. Aren't, aren't you so Thank nice? You. It's all ones. Oh. <laughs> Every bit helps. You know what? That was given to me for my EP. Someone bought my EP for 11 bucks. Oh, is that right? So, yeah. So, art, giving to local art. Pay it forward. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that is so awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Happy and to uh, and we also have the A jersey. So, uh, please, you know, check that out. Oh, okay. We have black and we have the white. So, it's $30. Just PM me. And uh, I'll hook you up. Uh, you're listening to the A already. We're on uh, Spotify. We're on the Apple Podcast app. We're on Overcast, SoundCloud, and now we're on Amazon Podcast. Just go on music.amazon.com, search for the A, and you will find us. The A was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise, or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up. We're not doing X slash Twitter anymore. <laughs> I don't know what Elon Musk is doing with that, but we are on uh, Instagram and um, Facebook, obviously. I'm at Red Space Clay. Norman is at Hoosier Hoosier. Catherine, you have an Instagram, Catherine Park. Yes, Catherine Park. And uh, you guys have, um, are you on social media? Yes. Yeah, our Instagram is Eclectic Box 
SF. Mm-hmm. I'll follow you yeah. right and now. And my Instagram is tinyjoesf. Tiny Joe SF. Tiny Joe SF. Right on. Yeah. So if you're looking for a great actor or if you're looking for a great space, be, be, you know, feel free to hit up um, Eclectic Box and Danny Spinks. And Danny, for all of us in the theater community, thank you so much. You know, thank it's, you. it's great to have a home. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. All right. That is it. And as Norman and I always say, we got to find a better sign off. And we are out. <laughs>